Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. God, because your spirit is here to pour out miracles, God. And you are here, God, to be with us. I pray right now in Jesus' name that you would um, just inhabit, God, the word that um, is going to be spoken tonight. I pray that you would open up our ears, our ears, our ears to hear, God. And I just thank you for every wonderful thing you've done up to this point. You are so amazing, Jesus. We just thank you for all this. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. You guys could be seated. Thank you so much, worship team. That was absolutely incredible. So you guys are in for a treat today. Um, I mean, because I'm preaching. But um, not only am I a good preacher, I'm the most humble of the preachers. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. (laughs) But you are in a treat because I am going to do a magic trick today. I am going to fit nine pages of notes into 30 minutes. (laughs) Yeah. And so um, with that being said, let's just jump right into it. Does that sound good? Fantastic. So I have noticed a, uh, a principle. As you guys can see, we're going to be talking about Jehovah Rapha or the God who heals. But before I get into that, I have noticed that there is a principle that um, affects everyone on this earth. And everyone tends to experience this in some way or form. Um, and it really doesn't matter if you're a Christian, if you're an atheist, if you're a Buddhist, a Hindu, or anything else tonight. Um, there is a spiritual reality That is in place, there is a spiritual law that everyone is held to. And that is that um, this world really does operate under the law of faith. Or put in other words, that our faith determines our experience. Whether for the good or for the bad. And before you you automatically shut me off a minute in, um, you might not have heard it that way. But I guarantee you, you've seen this in your life before. Um, and there is one specific person that I am talking about when I talk about this, Um, and we we always see the reality of our faith determining our uh, experience with this person, and that person is the overly negative person, the person who thinks that the world is out to get them. You've seen those kind of people before. Um, They're the ones who constantly complain about everything that's happening in their life. They cannot go a single day without telling you what is going wrong with their life today. And so it's, it's been an observation of mine that they, they seem to be the ones that also experience bad things in their life over and over again. And I would say that that is because their belief system, their faith, is shaping the reality. Because they believe that bad things are going to happen in their life, they experience bad things in their life. Does that make sense? And so very much their, their faith is causing their reality even though it's in the negative. You might be asking yourself, Alex, why are you talking about this? The slide behind you says that you are going to be talking about a message called Jehovah Rapha. And don't worry, I am about to get there. But the point that I'm trying to make is this, that we need to regularly evaluate our belief systems um, so that they would line up with what the word of God says. If we do that, or if we have our belief systems lining up with the word, then fantastic. We can build our faith on those belief systems. However, I have noticed that there tends to be 
we tend to build our belief system on our experiences in life. And when we do that, it's dangerous because our experiences tend to line, or lie to us. And so the reason why I bring all this up is simply to put that your experience with God being the healer might have created some belief systems in you. And so the reason why I'm preaching this message today is so that we can return to the word of God and see what it says about what our belief system should look like. Does that make sense? Cool. So with this lengthy preamble introduction done, I am going to challenge you today with a message that will hopefully reveal if your belief system is lining up with the word of God or if you have a belief system that's based on your experience, the latter uh, being harmful to your faith and your walk as a disciple of Jesus. Um, If it does happen tonight that you feel challenged and that your belief system does not actually line up with what we find out that the word of God is saying, I would suggest that you alter your belief system um, simply put, and, and, and that's simply because we cannot alter the word to match our belief. We have to alter our belief to match up with the word. It's dangerous the other way around. We see that in society all too often. So we have to be willing to bend when it comes to the word of God. There is no other authority given to men such like the word. The word has the ability to ground us and shape us. It is the, the very little foundation that we build our entire Christian walk on. If, if there is no word, then all of us run by opinion. But since we do have the word, we are able to live it out. We are able to build our faith on top of the word. And so, with all of that, I am going to just get into the meat of the message because I now have 25 minutes to cram eight pages of notes. So the main, my first main point in tonight's message is that It is God's desire to heal. When thinking of all the ways that I could demonstrate this to you, I decided that I will not try to convince you that it's God's will um, to heal in every circumstance by clever wording or persuasive arguments. Instead, I would like to show you biblically why this is the case. I'll do this by covering a handful of stories, both in the Old and the New Testament. My first story that I'd like to touch on today is the story of when the Israelites were in the, uh, uh, the, um, the, what's it called, the wilderness. Gosh, who put this guy up here? Just kidding. Uh, when the Israelites were in the wilderness and they were grumbling before God, like they had just got a, a massive victory with God, and then they were, they were uh, complaining about the food that they had to eat, even though it was the food that literally angels eat. They were complaining like, oh, I, we hate manna. And it's, it's a little bit thirsty out here in the, or it's a little bit dry out here in the desert and we're thirsty. And they began to um, cause issues in the camp of Israel. Now, that caused a curse to befall them. And what happened in that curse is that there were serpents that came from the desert and began to bite the Israelites, right? And it says that whoever was bitten died. These, these snakes, highly venomous. And so once they had realized that they were the ones that made the mistake by grumbling to God, they then turned back to God, as many of us do when we, feel, uh, when we recognize that we make a mistake. They turned back to God. They asked Moses to pray for them. And in that moment, Moses talks to God. The Lord says to Moses, okay, this is what we're going to do. If you will fashion a serpent and put it up on a pole, everyone who looks at that serpent will be healed. And so that's what Moses does. He makes a bronze serpent, lifts it up on a pole, and sure enough, everyone 
who looks at that serpent gets healed. Fun fact, that is also why the the symbol of our hospitals is a, a serpent wrapped around a staff. It comes from that story. But more importantly is this story in the Old Testament, in the book of Numbers chapter 1, if you want to look it up later, it is a prophetic symbol of Jesus. It's a prophetic calling forward to the moment when Jesus would be lifted up on the cross and all men who would look to him would receive healing, not just for their souls, spirits, but for their physical bodies as well. The second story I would like to touch on today is the man who was healed from leprosy. I'm going to read this out of Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 through 3. I don't have it up on the screen, but you guys all have your Bibles, so that's wonderful. Um, (laughs) That was funnier in my head. Uh, Suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, if you are willing, you can heal me and make me clean. Jesus reached out and touched him. I am willing, he said. Be healed, and instantly the leprosy disappeared. With these two stories, it is evident that God has the ability to heal people, right? Um, But some might still say God's desire certainly was to heal them, uh, but that doesn't mean that his desire is to heal all. That is why I have five more verses about the work of Jesus, and please stick with me, don't check out. I am going to belabor this point because I feel like it needs to be belabored. Let me get next one. Okay. So it says in Matthew 8, verse 16, When evening had come, they brought to him many who were demon-possessed, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. Matthew 12, 15, But when Jesus knew it, uh, when Jesus knew it he withdrew from there, and multitudes followed him, and he healed them all. Mark chapter 6, verse 56. Wherever he entered into villages, cities, or the country, they laid the sick in marketplaces and begged him that they might touch the hem of his garment. And as many as touched him were made well. Let's go to the next one. It says in Luke chapter 4, verse 40. When the sun was setting, all those who had any sick, any uh, with sick, all those who had any that were sick with various diseases, brought them to him, and he laid on him, uh, he laid his hands on every one of them and healed them. Then Luke chapter six, verse nineteen, and the whole multitude sought to touch him, for power went from him and healed them all. I am pushing this to show that when Jesus was on this earth doing his ministry, he healed all. It's it's pretty clear that the will of Jesus, and ultimately the will of the Father, because remember that Jesus came to demonstrate the nature of the Father, uh, the, the will of both Jesus and the Father was to heal all sickness. These five verses are but a handful of the many that support this biblical idea. Based on this sto- these stories, we can see that biblically, that there is a desire of God both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, and it was certainly to heal all. Remember with the snake that was lifted up, everyone who looked at it, everyone who looked at it was healed. And so, but has the argument been made that his desire and his will is to still heal us all? And yes, we have to turn to, Rome, uh, to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 18 to get that. It says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today 
and forever. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We see that the same Jesus that sits at the right hand of God currently is the same one who went around and performed miraculous healings to all that encountered him. Since he is the same Jesus and his desire for healing has not changed, we then can engage our faith with his desire and his willingness to heal us. Still, this is not the end of our delve into a biblical case for healing. We have proven through the word that God's desire both then and now is for our complete healing. But let me take this a little bit further. God, uh, God goes on to confirm this fact by doing these same works through our spiritual forefathers, the disciples. Which brings me to my second main point of tonight, that our heritage in the saints, our inheritance, is healing. When Jesus was ministering on earth, there came a moment when he had sent out 72 of his disciples to proclaim the kingdom to surrounding towns and villages. This is the command that the Lord gave them. If you, enter, uh, if you enter a town and it welcomes you, eat whatever is set before you, heal the sick, and tell them the kingdom of God uh, is near you now. What was the result of this command? This is the testimony of the 72, uh, of what the 72 said when they came back. When the 72 disciples returned, the, they joyfully reported to him, Jesus, saying, Lord, even the demons obey us when we use your name. Yes, he told them, I saw Satan fall, like, uh, fall from heaven like lightning. Look, I have given you authority over all the power of the enemy, and you can walk among snakes and scorpions and crush them. Nothing will injure you. But don't rejoice because evil spirits obey you. Rebo uh, rejoice because your names are registered in heaven. The disciples were put into a position where God had sent them out on a mission to bring healing to people that they come in contact with. And I want to remind you that this was not simply the 12 uh, disciples that he had who would later become the apostles. These are the 72 men and women who most of them, 60 of them in fact, we don't know their names. These are average uh, Christ followers. And so if you have an argument on the inside that says, well, the, the apostles are the ones who really did all the miracles... 60 other guys went out and they performed the healing miracles that Jesus had done. And so um, when, when they had gone out to do this mission and to heal the people they had come in contact with, the disciples went in faith, believing that Jesus had actually empowered them to bring healing. And when they did, they saw something absolutely mind-blowing. They saw the sick being healed. When they, when they walked in faith, believing that God had empowered them, they saw paralyzed people walking. They saw the blind receiving their sight back. They saw those who were effect, uh, afflicted by demons set free. Jesus did not stop with the 72, though. They were merely an example for us. We know this because Jesus gave us the same commission as he gave them. Let's look at Mark chapter 16 verse 15 through 18, and then verse 20. It says this, And then he told them, Go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. 
They will cast out demons in my name. They will speak in new languages. They will be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands on the sick and they will be healed. And this is, this is what happens. Oh, where is it? This is what happens. And the disciples went out everywhere and preached, and the Lord worked through them, confirming what they said with many miraculous signs. I want to focus on this because it is not saying in this commission that the disciples would go out and lay their hands on the sick and they would be made well. Jesus already commissioned the disciples. This commissioning was not for them. It says, for as many believe the gospel that the disciples preached, that's us. It says, literally, go into the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes will be baptized and saves. And then uh, one sentence later, it says, these miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. He's talking about us. Let's move on. The promises of the manifestation of the Spirit. Thought I had a blank slide. The promises of the manifestation of of the Spirit through those who believe was not simply just given to the disciples uh, that Jesus was addressing, but in the context of this verse, he is talking about those who hear the good news and then believe. He's talking about us. He is saying that when we receive the good news of the gospel, that us new converts will display these signs. If you need any further proof that Jesus' desire to heal all, uh, that it was Jesus' desire to heal all, not simply through his own earthly ministry, but by those who would believe in him after, listen to this story in the book of Acts chapter 5. It says, Nevertheless, more and more uh, men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. This gives me so much hope and so much confidence in the desire of God to work through his people today. Why might you ask? Because we see at this point that Jesus has already died and rose again. And not only that, but he has risen from the earth and is sitting at the right hand of the Father where he currently sits. This work of Peter was during the current age in which we live. Jesus currently occupies the throne next to his Father and is the same God who worked healing through Peter and and he will be the same one uh, who desires to work healing through us. Not only is God's position on the matter the same as when he healed them, but I get so much confidence from this because Peter was just a man. In fact, he was a former fisherman. He wasn't special. He wasn't the son of God. He was simply a human being, just like you and me. And the only difference between us is that Peter believed wholeheartedly without any room for doubt. This, this gives me so much confidence because Peter, like I said, was not special And so if he could do it, so can I. If he could do it, so can you. If the great commission is given to us to lay hands on the sick and and watch them be healed, it encourages me because it was not simply just Jesus who did this work. In fact, it says later on in Acts that Paul went to an island and healed all that were on the island. And so it was not just simply, you know, Jesus or one of his 12 disciples. It was men and women who walked in complete faith 
believing that God has empowered us to lay our hands on the sick and watch them be healed. I am absolutely convinced that God's end on the matter is settled. He has proven over and over again in the word that his will is to pour out the blessing of healing on the whole world. He is not the one that's in question in this matter. And this this is further proof by the, uh, proved by the fact that in Isaiah 53, verse 5, it says this. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sin. He was beaten so that we could be made whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. In the same breath that the prophet Isaiah um, says that Jesus' death on the cross would be the payment for our sins or to bring healing to our spirits uh, and souls, He says in that same breath that the beating that Jesus was given before the cross was to bring healing to our physical bodies. We we do not for a moment think that the salvation for our souls through faith has passed away. If if we are believing that the salvation that we receive through faith is for a time since past, then we're all hopeless. But that's not the faith that we have. The faith that we have says that Jesus Christ died on a cross so that sinners could be made right with him and become the righteousness of God. We have a faith that says the man who was perfect died for the the one who was imperfect and we gain his righteousness and our spirits come to life in that moment. Jesus' suffering, his beating, the crown of thorns, the whipping... All of it was not for the forgiveness of our sins. Let me say that again. Jesus' suffering, his beating, the crown of thorns, the whipping, all of it was not for the forgiveness of our sins. This part was singularly focused. It was only for our bodily healing. If Jesus were in heaven withholding heaven from us, or withholding healing from us, he would be looking at his own suffering and calling it meaningless. This obviously is not the case. Um, Jesus went through the torment to prove once again that his will is for us to be made whole, to be healed. In fact, this is a little bit detour, but the word sozo is the word uh, saved or salvation. I'll have to check into that later. Um, Or you guys can check into the word sozo. But it means to be made whole completely, body, mind, and spirit. (laughs) If his will was not to be healed, um, he would not have had to suffer. He would have simply needed to die on a cross because it says in the Bible that cursed is any man who dies or is hung on a tree. And so for Jesus to take on the curse that we have, he only needed to die on the cross. He did not need to be beaten. But he shows that because of what he suffered, he chose to, to take on our affliction. He chose to, to have us be healed. In the same way, When we look at healing and deny that it is God's will and his desire to heal, we point to his suffering and we claim that it's worthless. We can't live this way. We must believe with our whole hearts that Jesus' suffering was a proof of his willingness. If he was willing to suffer to make payment for healing, why would he be less willing to distribute what he has already paid for? Think about that. If he was so willing to get beat to get whipped so that we could have healing, why is it now that we believe that he is reluctant to give that same healing he has already paid for? It doesn't make sense. 
up till now, we have covered some very important ground. We have come through the revelation that God's will is definitely demonstrated that he wants to heal. His desire, his will, is to heal us. We saw in the Old Testament that God showed off his nature as Jehovah Rapha when he healed the people that were bitten by venomous snakes. We saw him bring healing to all the people that Jesus came, uh, that came to Jesus for healing. And we saw that when somebody came to the disciples, they also received healing. We found that it's God's will, it's his nature to pour out healing. On top of this, we saw that our heritage in the saints is to bring healing from heaven down to earth. That all throughout the Gospels and the book of Acts, we find that the disciples were given the ability to perform miracles and that it is just as much a part of our commission as it was for them. Jesus commands us to go out and preach the gospel, but that's not where it ends. In the same breath that he tells us to go out and, and proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ, he tells us to go out and lay hands on the sick and watch them be healed. Uh, and so we see that the disciples were an example of all that Jesus wants to do through us. With all of this evidence to pointing towards God's desire, the disciples' uh, example, and our ability, there is one thing left, and that is to engage our faith. At the end of the day, we simply need to settle the matter. Do we believe in Jesus and what he said or not? The issue of healing boils boils all the way down to our belief and what we are going to do with the knowledge that we have from the word of God. The problem... And, and this is going to go back to where I opened. The problem is the Bible can be 100% true and still our belief systems shape the reality that we see. Remember how I opened that, that I said that our faith tends to shape the reality that we experience. This is a spiritual law that we cannot get around. Um, and we have to evaluate what we choose to believe and challenge any belief system that does not line up with the word of God. And like I said, the problem is that it can be God's desire to heal 100% of the people, 100% of the time, but it isn't until we settle the matter in our hearts and engage our faith that we manifest this in our lives. Now, right here, you might feel like like challenging me that that says, like, um, I'm making the case that God's will could be 100% to heal 100% of the time, but we don't see it until we engage our faith and settle the matter. I want to remind you that this has to be true because we see in 2 Peter verse uh, chapter 3, verse 9, that certainly it is God's will that all men would be saved. And that, that, um, that one, uh, I'm sorry, and yet we know that not everyone is actually saved. Not everyone makes heaven home. Though it's God's will demonstrated in, in uh, what did I say, 2 Peter 3, verse 9, it's demonstrated that it is God's will that everyone would receive salvation. And yet we do not see everyone receiving salvation. Why? Because though it is God's will, it is not until the person that God wants to save settles the matter in their heart and then engages their faith, that's the moment then they're saved. In the same way, it is God's will to heal all, but it is our job to settle the matter and engage our faith. With that in mind, I, let me get back to the original question that I gave you. 
Do we believe in Jesus and what he said? If the answer is yes, then we have to walk boldly in our faith. We have to allow our belief in the words that Jesus spoke to us um, to bring us to a place where we are living out a supernatural lifestyle. We have to take every opportunity that God gives us. We need to pray in faith, not in hope, and certainly not in doubt. Remember, faith is a confident expectation. I have faith that a chair holds me up, and so I, I sit down expecting that it will hold me up. I have faith that when I flick the light switch on when I go home, I, I believe the power is going to turn on. And so, because of that faith, I flick the switch. Similarly, I have faith that God will pour out healing when we pray. So, I, expect he, I, I pray expecting to see the person healed. I expect God will do this because he has demonstrated his desire and his will in pouring out that healing. I, I've been reading the book uh, Christ the Healer by F.F. F. Bosworth for the last probably three weeks. Um, and he makes a statement in there. He makes lots of great statements. I suggest that you go read that book. But one of them is that um, God's desire for us to be healed is greater than our own desire to be healed. And so we need to settle the matter in our hearts and engage that faith. And finally, I will close with this story. And bef- like, this story is going to come at you. And, and please don't think that I am attacking you with this. I am not. I am, I am, there's a point to me speaking on this story. And it's also Jesus' word, so it's very important. Um, but it says this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 20. At the foot of the mountain, now before I continue, they were coming down off the Mount of Transfiguration. Jesus had just been glorified in front of uh, three disciples by the Father. They're coming down off of the mountain. That's where this picks up. At the foot of the mountain, a large crowd was waiting for them. A man came and knelt before Jesus and said, Lord, have mercy on my son. He has seizures and suffers terribly. He often falls into the fire or into the water. So I brought him to your disciples, but they couldn't heal him. Jesus said, you faithless and corrupt people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy here to me. Then Jesus rebuked the demon in the boy, and it left him. And from that moment on, the boy was well. Let's continue. Afterward, the disciples asked Jesus privately, Why couldn't we cast out that demon? You don't have enough faith, Jesus told them. I tell you the truth, if you had faith even as small as the mustard seed, you could say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing would be impossible. There's three things that I want to show you from this story. First, Jesus did not rebuke the little boy with the issue. He rebukes his disciples for not believing. These are the men and women, uh, yeah, the men and women who had been walking with Jesus, seeing everything that Jesus has done. He did not come to the little boy and said, you don't have enough faith. He came to the disciples and challenged them to believe. Second, this day and age in which we live, um, when we pray, and we don't see the miracle happen, we have a, uh, a trigger inside of us that tries to come up with lots of different excuses on why that might have happened. Some of them are, it just isn't God's timing, or um, this is just my struggle that I need to deal with, or um, it gives God glory to allow me to continue with it in this, or even worse, 
it must not be God's will to heal me from this. In this scenario that I just just read from, I can see the modern Christian responding with all of these excuses. But Jesus destroys all of that unbelief because when he comes onto the scene, he prays and God heals. It certainly was God's timing. It certainly was not something the child had to suffer with. It wasn't something that God was getting glory from. And it most certainly was God's will to heal. Third, Jesus ups the stake from simply just healing someone struggling with an issue of epilepsy. He challenges the disciples and says that nothing is impossible if you will simply believe. And so, we need to settle the issue tonight. Um, If we have a belief system that does not line up with God's word, we need to change it. Point blank, and I'll say it again bluntly, with emphasis, without apologizing. If we have a belief system that is not, I'm sorry, if we have a belief system that is in opposition to what the Word of God says, change it. Our beliefs do not dictate what the Word of God says. The Word of God dictates what uh, our beliefs are. It has to be that way. Um, Do not change the Word of God to match what we believe just because it challenges us and our experience might tell us otherwise. We need to have a belief system that is consistent with what the word of God says. If you believe in Jesus for healing, then let's believe in Jesus for healing. That We can't allow doubt any room in your heart. Don't allow past experiences to dictate, uh, to dictate what you believe. We need to kill doubt and uh, exercise our faith. And as uh, the prophet Jeremiah writes in, verse, uh, in chapter 33 of verse 3 about God's blessing for us. He says, call to me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you have never seen before. I challenged you tonight um, because I feel, I feel challenged personally. Um, God has demonstrated his will over and over and over and over again in the word of God about what believers are capable of. And I look at my own life and I do not see that playing out. And I, like, I, like I mentioned in my sermon, the issue is not with God. And so if I am pointing a finger at anyone, it is a pointing straight at me. And I am challenging my belief system, which has allowed doubt to creep in. Because of experiences that I've had when I've prayed and not seen people healed, there is room for doubt in my heart when I pray for the next person. And that is what needs to be killed. That is what needs to be challenged, and that's what I'm challenging tonight. Hopefully at some point this has challenged you to to believe, truly believe. The the kind of faith that does not waver from the left or to the right, but stands and says, no, this is what the word of God says. Just like we do not question our salvation, the, the work on the cross is finished, it is absolute. I do not question if I were to die today, if I would be in the presence of God. That is not a question in my heart. There is no doubt. Because Jesus has died for me, because Jesus has died and I believe in him through faith, I believe that I am saved. The same breath, the same way that I say that, I need to be willing to say, I believe God is willing to heal, and not just willing, but able to and desires to heal all of us. Amen. Amen. I am going to pray and... I am going to put my money where my mouth is. 
If there is anyone here who has any kind of physical ailment, any kind of doctor's report, you are diagnosed with cancer, you, are di uh, you have broken bones, or anything in your body that does not line up with the Word of God, what I would like you to do is stand up, and we're going to pray. Anyone who has anything in their body, pain, um, sickness of any kind, that does not line up with the Word of God. Cool. Okay. Let's pray. Father, right now in the name of Jesus, God, I thank you for this word today. God, I feel your presence here and I thank you, God, for that. I pray that you would pour out from your, God, your, your, your vials, God, this, this healing, God, this, this anointing oil of heaven, God. God, if there is any sins that we have committed, I pray that you would forgive them now in the name of Jesus. God, and I, I, I bind any spirit that is coming against these bodies in Jesus' name. I release, God, I release the angels to, to bring this, this gift from your throne. And God, I thank you because you are the wonderful physician. You are Jehovah Rapha. And every time, God, we pray, you come through. You are too faithful not to. You are too good not to. I thank you for all these wonderful things. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Before, before I end, I'm also going to put myself out there also. Is there anybody who, had, who can like check what they're going through? Now, be appropriate. So, but like if there's any pain that was in your body, yeah. If there was any pain in your body, check it. Um, anything that was wrong. Does any, anybody have any manifestation of healing? Fantastic. I'll be doing part two next week. I'm just kidding. <laughs> awesome. Um, We're going get, to get you guys out of here. Go ahead and uh, say goodbye to somebody. Go out to Culver's for dinner or something like that. I only get a 5% kickback. It's a really good deal. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, let me close in prayer and then I'll let you go. Father, right now in Jesus' name, I thank you because you are our healer. I praise you, God, because even if we do not see it, God, you will. God, and I am confident of your goodness and confident of your desire in the matter. I pray that you would bless us as we go. Keep us safe, God. Bless the Walpies. Let more rain fall and, and just bless the people that deal with all of that, God. Keep your hand on Kingman and let, let your spirit break forth with salvation and with healing. In Jesus' name, amen. God Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.